Welcome to the third and final part of this special three-part episode of the Magnificent Speakers Podcast. Here we're going to conclude our conversation with Cass and finalize those get-to-know-you questions and really share a little bit more information about, uh, you know, how she and Colby and myself, we all grew up in this central Pennsylvania area. Really hope that you've been enjoying the conversation so far. Hey, if you're liking the podcast, why don't you give us a five-star rating on the iTunes, uh, drop a little review in there, share it with some friends. We really appreciate it just as much as we appreciate the time that you spend with us every time we post a new episode. So thank you for that. And please enjoy the conclusion of Ramblings of Thespians on Magnificent Whiskers. I love to see famous people be fans of each other. Yes. It's, it's so humanizing. I love it. Yeah. And it was, it was just so wonderful. And, um, it, 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 and it, it happens over and over again, you know, on his couch, he just, he, he, he orchestrates this people on his couch being fans of each other. And, Mm. and there's like a whole collaborative thing going on and, and it, it just, it brings me so much joy. I don't really care for talk shows. I mean, if I watch a talk show, it's because, oh, I like this person who's going to be on tonight and I'm going to watch it. Okay. But I'm not, I'm not crazy about watching it no matter what. Uh, um, yeah, I'm the same way. Um, you know, I mean, I'll watch Colbert. Colbert's monologues are sometimes really great. Yeah. I like, I like to watch them, but I don't like to watch who he's got on because I don't care. And Trevor Noah. Um, yeah. Trevor Noah is wonderful, but I don't, I don't like to well, actually, Trevor Noah, I do like to watch who he gets on because he gets on people who are not on anything else. And yeah. he, his dynamic with people is just fascinating. I love yeah. to watch him interacting with people. Yeah, and, and you, you will never have heard of some of the people that he's had on his show. Mm-hmm. But they're important people. And, it's, and it, like, every time I watch Trevor Noah, it expands my mind. And like Colbert, I love Colbert. But there's only so much I can watch of it before I start getting depressed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he he takes the piss like no one else. But sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to think about what's going on in my old home country. Yeah, no, I mean, we don't want to be here, so there's that. Yeah. Um, yes, okay. So, do you know which Hogwarts house you belong to? Yeah, I'm Slytherin. Really? Okay. Yep. Interesting. And what uh, what medium did you use to figure that out? Uh, a a quiz online. Was it the popcorn quiz or was it just like a, just a random? Uh, I don't remember. It was, it was so long ago, but it okay. was, um, it was, but it, it, I don't just say that, oh, we came up with Slytherin and that's what I am. Um, because I've read all the books. I, I mean, I know what it means. Um, but also it explains why. Mm-hmm. And I right, also okay. read the explanations of, of the other ones. And yeah, I'm, I am, I mean, I, I don't, I know they're the bad guys. But they're not. They're but so they're not. not. They're but so they not. They're, they are also, Harry could have been Slytherin as well. You the know? only reason he's not Slytherin is because he told the hat he didn't want to be. Right. That's and literally like that. I'm not sure if this is actual canon or if this is just fan theory, but the thing that gets you into Gryffindor is asking to get to having the courage to ask to get into Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, the thing came up and it said I was Slytherin. I was like, Oh, like the bad people. And then I read the thing and I was like, Oh no, not like the bad people, you know? And no, not so, at all. Yeah. I'm definitely, 
it's it's pretty i can't remember i can't remember the qualities i have that make me slytherin but i'm i am slytherin well you're cunning and you're ambitious yeah and um the, i and think I, those are I the got big... hips like a snake <laughs> <laughs> and you're a polyglot so obviously you could speak parcel tongue um, yeah, of course of, of course. course i understood it in the movie i didn't even need the subtitles exactly <laughs> 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 oh shit okay wow that was awesome um do you keep calling me a polyglot do you do you want to talk about that at all Oh, nope. We're gonna. We're gonna. I'm just okay. gonna gloss over it um, okay. and assume that everybody knows what it means, and we're just we're gonna going. pretend. We're, we're moving gonna, on. It's just gonna we're be moving. a thing. Um, yep. I also just really like saying the word. It's so, like Probably I have a couple blood. of words that I really enjoy. One of them is bubble. Mm-hmm. Bubble is a good uh, word. My girl, my, one of my girlfriend's favorite words is rotunda. And when she said that to me, I stopped and thought about it for a minute, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's a great word. It um, is a good word. <laughs> and supposedly the phrase cellar door is one of the most phonetically beautiful sounding phrases in all of language. There's a story of, a, of like an old Italian woman who didn't speak a lick of English, but heard somebody in America say the phrase cellar door and she began to weep. Really? Uh, now because I'm an American, I have no appreciation for this, but uh, <laughs> I, I apparently, like, apparently that's a thing. Because we don't weep. We don't, we don't <laughs> weep. Uh, do you have a preference between Marvel or DC? I I don't think I do because I'm really, you know, up to here with comic book movies. We're going to have to fight. With superhero movies. I think if I told you who I like, I'm probably Marvel. Okay. But, because um, I'm, I'm a huge Iron Man fan. I'm a huge Same. Iron Man Same. Okay. Huge Iron Man. Iron Man even drives my car. <laughs> what? My car. Um, but, you know, and his house. I have pictures of his house on my hard drive. Because I want to live in that Rob- house. Robert Downey Jr.'s? No, no, no. The house in the first Iron Man movie. Ah. Uh, really? Yep. I have pictures of it. It, it was, there was a fake um, real estate ad. You can buy Iron Man's house. And it's, it's <laughs> nice. pictures from basically the pictures that they used to make the CGI that created mm. his house. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Not, yeah. Because it's, it's a set. Um, yeah. but, they, but they made these pictures that show the house um, as it would be if it were real. And, and it's exactly the kind of house I would want to live in. That's fantastic. Um, exactly the house I do live in. You don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I'm, I'm a big Iron Man fan. But like I, have, I also have appreciation for, like I have appreciation for, for Batman. And that's, of course. That's DC, right? I mean, but they're essentially the same characters, so. Yeah, I mean, but Batman is is interesting to me because he's a superhero without special powers, except you know an exciting amount of wealth, mm-hmm. um, which 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 is a superpower in its own. Apparently, um, but but, but the, that's it, actually. Did you know that's actually not true? Hmm. So he is by many in the DC universe considered potentially metahuman because he has such an outrageously large IQ. He is so unbelievably intelligent. Like when they say Uh he's the world's greatest detective, that's not bullshit. He has an above genius level IQ. I'm going to look it up and see exactly how much it is. But Batman is like superhuman intelligent. Really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Because my experience of Batman, I mean, of course, I, when I was a kid, um, and, and again, I'm not that old, but the, the Batman TV show from the 60s was on regular TV, was on, you know, daytime TV when I was a kid in the 70s. And, um, and I thought Batman was just awesome. And I wanted to be Catwoman like nothing else. 
Okay. I, I didn't care. She was the bad guy. I'm like, no, no, I want to be her. I want her to win. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, so I did, I, I went ahead and did a quick search just now and um, I'll try and include this in the show notes here. Uh, but it seems to be generally agreed upon. So in order to be considered a genius, you have to have an IQ of 140. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's like the threshold. Batman has an IQ of 192. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's like, higher than genius. mine. I thought genius was 200. That's no, funny. genius is no. a buck 40. Yeah, no, oh, wow. 200 is like superhuman. Super, super. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like there are three people in history known to have had an right. IQ that high. Right. right. So, and, and then, yes, he does have a tremendous amount of wealth. And also uh, his body is at the absolute peak of um, human achievement mm-hmm. possible. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, uh, I just like that he's, he's uh, it's just, he's not the usual you know like superman right i have, I have no taste for superman it's just uh, yeah whatever uh, you see, come I, from another see planet. i still love superman uh see? for what like there are so many amazing stories that can be told with superman because of who and what superman is mm-hmm. and because like, he ultimately it, makes the choice to be who he is yeah and that that's one of the greatest things about superman uh the the thing that the thing that i love the take that i love is that Superman is not a power fantasy for those who want to be strong. Superman is a power fantasy where imagining if the strong person was also the best person. Right. If someone uh, good had that power. So it's not, could, yeah, that's so nice. it's not the idea of we want to be Superman. It's we want a Superman. We want to be yeah. like him because he's a symbol for us to uh, be uh, to emulate not yeah. to actually be which yeah, is also not, why it was so much to, fun to um jump over tall buildings in a single bound but rather to be a good man right mm-hmm. well what that was oh, also why nice. it was so much fun when he snapped yeah and went the exact opposite direction yeah in those, the injustice story like a lot of fun to be able to explore that yeah mm-hmm. i i think the, those are interesting takes but i think they happen way too often i think they lose their point and their emphasis when it's done too much. And unfortunately, because those are some of the storylines that people remember most and they have that edge to them, people try to do them way too much. And that is and yeah, that's the direction point. that the, uh, the movie universe even took for a second there after he fought Doomsday and uh, spoilers. Um, yeah. And so he, he kind of went like not full on evil, but definitely like had to battle it out there with him for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Cass, would you go on a staycation or a vacation? A vacation. Do you have a, a, a next vacation destination? I think you literally just told me about this not too long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Um, we are going to do the South Coast Walk in England, which is along the Devon Coast. Um, we're going there and walking for however many miles it is. I don't know. It's a lot. All of them. <laughs> It's probably like 60, 60, 70 miles over the course of so many days. Wow. And you go and you, you walk and then you stop. There's in places that they've, they pick out the places you, you go through a company. I mean, you could do it yourself. You could do it yourself. Absolutely. But I don't backpack. <laughs> I do not wear a pack on my back. <laughs> I go and we're doing this in, we're doing this in um, early 20th century clothing. So I've got a lot of clothes that yeah. somebody has to move for me because I'm not carrying them all. So, <laughs> so there's this company um, called Contours, 
that does basically they set up your residence for you. So you're you you go to the starting point and you stay in a place, an inn at the starting point, and then you get up and you go on your walk the next day and you know where you're going to be stopping that night. So you know the way to go. You know, you have a map and you know where you're supposed to be to stay that night. And they take your suitcases and take them to the next place. That's awesome. So you don't have to carry anything. Hmm. So you can just walk and, um, you know, you go and you stop somewhere for lunch and then you walk again and whatever. But I mean, some of the walks, um, we have three days that are 23 kilometer days in a row. So that's like 10 miles, three 10 mile days in a row. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's not supposed to be a fitness thing. It's not supposed to be an endurance run or anything like that. It's, it's just a nice stroll. You're walking along a very famous and uh, beautiful coast the southwest coast of England. Um, Very nice. And it's it's really nice. And yeah, and, and at the end of it, we're going to a place um, called Berg Island. And this is Bingley on Sea. It's a little island that is literally, <laughs> it's only an island when the tide comes in. <laughs> when the tide goes out, you can drive there. Oh, um, when the tide comes in, you have to take a boat. Um, yep. Nope. 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 No, nope. I don't trust nope. the tide. I don't trust it. I wouldn't drive you, it. Nope. You don't. You don't trust the tide. Nope. <laughs> they have a thing. They have a thing called uh, a sand tractor, and basically, I already don't like this. Yeah, you can go out to the island on the sand tractor because the sand tractor literally crawls across the whether the tide's in or out. Okay, um, I take it back. I do like that. See, I'm yeah. envisioning like those. Um, what are they called for the wheels for the tanks? Uh, tracks. Tracks. Tracks, yes. So I'm envisioning, like, if I had a car that had tracks or a vehicle that had tracks, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm Gucci. But if I'm thinking about, like, my vehicle, I'm already having a panic attack. No, you could probably do it in a Land Rover, but, you know, they don't let you. They don't let you because they, <laughs> they don't want your car to get swamps. Um, but, no, I mean, it's, it's, the tide isn't deep, you know. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to walk it. But Is it linked it, to the ocean? Uh, ostensibly, you know, like, eventually. Oh, okay. See, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm envisioning a sandbar surrounded by the fucking ocean. No, not really. Okay. Not really. It's it's very sheltered. I mean, it, eventually that is ocean, but it and and not really. Eventually that is English Channel. Real? No, is it Channel? Yeah, it's Channel. Um, hmm. but it's it's uh it's very sheltered. And Berg Islands, there's a hotel there that's famous for Agatha Christie used to go there every once in a while Mm. and stay. And they said um, two of her famous books were written there. Interesting. And we are staying in the Agatha Christie beach house. Ooh, very nice. Didn't she like straight just go missing one day and like was never found? No, she was found. Um, She turned up. Yeah. She, her husband took off with her, with her personal assistant, her personal assistant, her husband like got it on. And her husband was like, uh, I'm leaving you for her. And she just collapsed mm. and went away and was missing for six days, seven days, something like that. And no one knew where she was. And when I she can came back, back that energy. <laughs> yeah. 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 When she came back, she, she wouldn't, she's never, she never told anybody where she was or what she did. And she oh, yeah, that's that, the mystery. Yeah. She claimed that she didn't know. 
Uh-huh. Um, but she was clearly somewhere because she wasn't, you know. Where was she? Yeah, no one knows. And no one knows if she ever knew. She made a little trip off to the Feywild. She, she, fu- she fucked off with a little bit of a fugue state. Yeah, maybe even yeah, into the yeah, Feywild. She, Why not? Well, yeah, she probably had a, a nervous breakdown because she, you know, she was of this era that, I mean, remember, she was born in the late 19th century. You know? Right. Um, she wrote her first book was published in 1919. And she was 20-something. And, you know, she married a guy that her parents approved of she was she was upper class and you know educated to be someone's very nice wife who knew how to give dinner parties and mm-hmm. you know so there and, was so and, much not what happens that happened yeah and you know she was someone who was raised to have children and hand them to the nanny you know and and she basically gave her you know was in love with this man and he took off with someone else, and that was not something that was in her. That wasn't what people did. Yeah. So, you know, so she had some mental issues from from being rejected. Fucking trauma. Yeah, she didn't think it was a possibility, and um, and then you know, and then she went went on to to marry um, what's his name, Max Malawan, who you know, took her, I think he was, the, took her around the world and she went on all these archaeological digs and everything. And that's, that's why you have death on the Nile and, you know, all these, mm-hmm. these books that are about, you know, they came from Baghdad, you know, she was there, she was on these archaeological digs and everything. And there's actually a really interesting story about her that I read when I was on, when I was on the Queen Mary two last time, <laughs> um, <laughs> I got a book about her out of the library and it was about her world tour. And they basically, she and Max went on this world trip with some other people that they were trying to raise money. I think they were trying to raise money for some archaeological dig or something. I could be completely wrong. But it wasn't, it wasn't Agatha Christie's world tour. You know, no one had heard of her yet. Like she'd only written two books and no one knew who she was. And so they went all over the world and she learned how to surf in, in Hawaii and everything. And if you consider, you know, she did this in the 1920s, late 20s, early 30s. I mean, it, you couldn't just get on a plane, you know. Right. You um, had to go. You had to go. And a lot of the things that, because planes were really short distances back then. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't go say, very we far. I was going to say, we weren't much past the Wright brothers at that point. No, not Correct. too much past. Not too much past. There were no and Boeing 747s or anything? No, no. No, there was nothing was doing, nothing was doing a very long hauls. So, um, like, they had to buy their way onto a freighter, work, work their way across to China or something like that. And, huh. and, um, and really interesting stuff. Like, you couldn't just go, oh, I'm sick of this. I'm going home. You know, right. halfway around the world, you have to finish. And uh, but a really interesting story, and the 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 book was like excerpts from her diary and 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 things like that, and um, so it was really interesting because I'm a I was you know Agatha Christie's biggest fan when I was 12 years old. And, um, <laughs> so the idea of going and um, well, I mean the reason I always wanted to travel was because her books were from all these different places, all these different people, and and um, spoke all these different languages and came from these different places and oh so now we understand the formation of who Cass is as a person yeah it really it's all thanks to agatha christie it's all agatha christie's fault i haven't been on the orient express yet 
but soon. I'll fix it. <laughs> All right. So now uh, I'm, in, I'm extremely curious about the answer to this question because there's been a theme. Um, do you have a favorite dinosaur? And what is it? <laughs> hey, I'm going to explain to you why Colby giggled. Yeah, I don't know if I know enough about dinosaurs to pick. You know? Oh, that's so sad. That, that, well, no, she just know knows know enough about everything else. There's not enough room for dinosaurs in there. Well, no, I just think I think you know, um, I think I think velociraptors. I kind of like their style. Okay. You Fair. know, I really kind of like their style. Um, I can get but, behind that. But I feel like I don't know enough about enough of them to choose one but okay. i do i do I, I i i'm really i do like velociraptors so i guess we'll call it velociraptor uh it seemed like for some reason everybody for like the last several uh uh guest spots in a row kept saying ankylosaur and i don't Which know why I, I don't know why i put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there but um yeah the ankylosaur is the it's the creature with the club tail oh yeah, huh. and yeah, it's, well, it's, it's basically a giant armadillo with a club with a clubbed tail, well, and it's not uh, nearly as fun. <laughs> I agree, but that's yeah. that was Colby's favorite, and that was so many other people's favorite. It was really huh. incredible. Um, he, so he's 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 a big armor boy with a club tail. I love he him. is. I, yep, I can see the appeal. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, without diving too much into this, because I feel like we could talk all day long on this last question. Um, I'm re- I'm I'm. I think I've said this before every single question I've asked you, but I'm extremely excited to hear your answer. <laughs> aliens. Maybe you're just very excitable. I am. I'm, well, I think that goes without saying. Uh, aliens. What's your, what's your stance? Aliens. What, aliens. Like, do I like the movie or, or no, are um, there aliens? Do you believe that, it, that they exist? Do you think that they've visited us? Anything that you'd like to actually address? Okay. It, is, it is statistically impossible that we are the only planet in the vast, vast number of, it's statistically impossible we're the only planet with intelligent life on it in the Milky Way galaxy, much less the entirety of the universe. So, of course, aliens exist, you know, duh. Um, but can, would, would we ever be able to speak to them? That is a question. The question might, when I was in um, grad school doing the master's degree in communications, we, we talked about um, if we spoke to, if we met aliens, would we be able? To, would we be even be able to communicate, or would we just have the wrong methods? We would just wouldn't be able to get our point across at all because it's often the oh well we'd be able to communicate with them through mathematics because mathematics are universal. Well, yeah, that's very true, but um, what our symbology if, is completely different though. Yeah, like, our symbology is very different. Um, our what our if, base counting system. Yeah, what if what if they communicate through smell? We can't even com- we can't even agree on a base counting system in Amer- in, in on our planet. Right. Yes. Right? And, Imperial or metric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not a base counting system. I, we can, I was going to say at least they're both base 10 systems. Well, yeah, yeah I guess technically. But but oh, then you, base, but then you know 12. you get to yeah, you 60 get 60 makes so much more sense. 60 is really good. Uh, 60 is, is all right. I'm I'm a fan of a base 8 system. Base 8 isn't bad. I, I, I would, if, if we were keeping it small, I would prefer 12. Yeah, That's numbers. Fair. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, more, things, more things go into 12 than 8. But, you yeah. know, 8's on the way. 
Yeah. Eight's on the way. Eight's okay. On, well, it is. Eight's on the way. I mean, ten is ten is a bad ten. The only reason we chose ten is because we got ten fingers and ten toes because it's a dumb thing to base anything on. It makes and, a it makes a die look stupid. You know, uh, here, here's another thing: is that that isn't universal. Uh, the base ten counting system is not universal across oh. cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are cultures that rather than counting like. 10 fingers they count by their knuckles on the mm. fingers yep. so there are cultures that have like base 30 systems mm. um uh some cultures will count like um fingertips wrist elbow shoulder mm-hmm. instead of fingertips what mm-hmm. yeah each culture devised its own base counting system using different aspects of like the human body as uh, reference point and mm-hmm. the 10 fingers 10 toes things is not universal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i learned something today yep well, and, that's and, one of the points and, of this yep and really you know it's the the d10 isn't percentile dice aren't <laughs> one of the plutonian solids so <laughs> also, honestly i prefer I'm to count not, my tacos um i'm not my tacos one time i, I also like may be hungry uh i don't know i, <laughs> I prefer the d12 uh, for being honest um the d12 is a good one but it's so yeah. infrequently used that i think that that has a lot to do with why i enjoy it <laughs> yeah but it's lovely it's, it's it, it really is it's got a, a wonderful shape to it and then um but yeah. still large enough faces that you can read the shit. Yeah, yeah right? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Fucking mm-hmm. percentile die. So you believe that it's a statistical relevancy and in a statistical impossibility that there are that there is no... Um, that's a double negative. You believe that uh, aliens absolutely must exist somewhere or what we would yes. identify as aliens, but we would lack the ability to communicate with them most likely. Well, I don't know that we would lack the ability. There is a, bring this back to Star Trek. Everything comes back to Star Trek. There is an episode um, called... Uh, Darmod. Dar- uh, Darmok. Uh, Darmok and Jalada Tanagra. Yeah, it, yep. but the episode's called Darmok. Yeah. And we actually discussed this in my, my master's class. Um, you know, if if we could communicate, but the way we communicated was so different that we couldn't understand each other. And and actually, mm-hmm. you know, communicated using and it's brilliant. It is the freaking it is the it is the communication person's Star Trek episode and one of the things I love about Star Trek so much is that it uses shit like that. It, it explores mm-hmm. things like, oh, and what if there was a race of people who only had one gender, but every once in a while someone was born with a different gender? Yeah. And like that, that was how Star Trek was talking about homosexuality in the 80s. But yeah. now we could watch that and talk about um, trans people, right? Yeah, or or gender fluid people, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, well, there was. And, I, re- I remember on that point there was a specific episode that I remember where there was a a species that had three genders. If yeah. they had male, they had female, and then in order to propagate, they had a third gender that was necessary for their reproductive cycle. Mm-hmm. And these people were very rare, and they were treated like a, a kind of like a slave part of society. Like they were, it was a bit handmaiden's tale. Like you exist solely to help us reproduce and you are assigned to couples that want to reproduce and then you go back. Yeah, you have no choice. It's not yeah, your choice. Yeah, yeah. It was It was really fascinating. And, yeah. and just fuck everyone who uh, looks at 
like Star Trek Discovery and bitches about it being too diverse. Fuck you, people. <laughs> Seriously, like, you just you don't fucking get to. Yeah. So it's like I yep. hate I hate I hate people who complain about diversity in comics. It's like you realize that you are a fan of a medium that was created by Jewish people in New York City specifically because they weren't allowed to get jobs in yeah. respectable art fields. So yeah. they carved out their own safe space to make their own work and mm-hmm. created and created stories about marginalized groups representing themselves. Like you you people don't fucking get to. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, you're singing my song, Colby, and you know you are. Um, it's, it's wonderful. You know, this, this stuff, um, there was, uh, I mean, let's face it. The, the, the first interracial kiss on television was on star, the original star Trek, you know, Kirk and Uhura. And we had to make it be that they were forced to do it. You know, they forced, forced to do it because the American public would have gone. I mean, understand this is when people were marching for their civil, black people were marching for their civil rights. Yeah, and, well, even and, even in the episode itself, uh, it only happened because Shatner forced it to, because mm-hmm. they originally sh- they were going to originally shoot it two different re- ways: one with them kissing, and one with them just hugging. And in the take where they were hugging, Shatner intentionally made like ludicrous, silly, goofy faces into the camera that the director couldn't see. So when they went to editing the director realized they couldn't use the takes and so had to go with the other one. So like, if you watch that episode in that shot, you notice mm-hmm. that he gets like this super wry, like shit eating grin on his face. And that's because <laughs> he knows that the director is going to be so pissed. It's not just because he's going to kiss Nichelle Nichols, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have more respect for him than ever hearing that story. I had never heard that before. That's awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. This is the first time you heard that? I, I'd never heard. I'd never heard the story that there was that that Shatner had specifically screwed up the other take. Oh yeah, yeah. that's that's verified. That's one hundred percent true. Yeah, that's so totally cool. Yeah, I mean, it's just I think that um, yeah, there's a lot of horseshit in the world. Of people going, ooh, and they have to be all diverse. Oh, you know what? The world is diverse. Open your fucking eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand you know? that attitude at all. Like, uh, the only issue that I've run into, and I'm going to qualify this by saying I recognize that I am a cis white male in a cis white male's world. So mm-hmm. please take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But I was uh, attempting to begin trying to work as a voice actor in the audio drama space. And the audio drama space has become a space that is ultra inclusive to marginalized peoples. Mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. I love it. Mm-hmm. But it's to the point where it's exclusive to me. Yeah. yeah. There have been so many shows where they're like, this was written for a trans black man. This was written for so on and so forth. If you're not of this creed, do not audition. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, it's it's aggravating. I mean, this is this is the 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 ugliness of racism is that racism doesn't just hurt racism hurts all of us. Racism hurts Agreed. everyone. And you know, saying that as a um cishet white female, um it's racism sucks. And we're at the point now where 
because of the beauty of the internet and social media and everything, people who didn't have a voice before now are getting their voices heard. And we have to kind of understand that we have to step back and let them do their thing because it's not our fault personally that they didn't get to do their thing before it was, you know, somebody else's fault. Right. But we're going to bear the responsibility um, responsibility of it, or, or at least we're going to, I don't want to say suffer because in this context, we're not suffering at all, but we're going to have to not, not get, what we want out of this we're gonna have to adapt to it yeah for a little while we're gonna have to go it's a pendulum yeah we're gonna have to go oh no 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 after you um and that's okay you know that's that's you be gracious and do it because because they've been excluded from these media for so long that if we had um like they talk about um i think it was uh oh damn it not Sandra Day O'Connor. Chief Justice, fabulous, fabulous woman. Oh, um. Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking Sotomayor for some reason, and I'm not sure yeah. why. No, but no, yeah. <laughs> Sotomayor is wonderful, but didn't say this. Correct. Um, Ginsburg said uh, that, you know, they asked her how many female Supreme Court justices would be enough. How, how many. How I'm answering the wrong question. I'm asking the wrong question. <laughs> the answer doesn't fit the question. She was asked about how many Supreme Court justices she wanted to be women, and she said all of them. And they said, well, what, well wouldn't that be unfair? And she said, no, they've all been men up to this point. We have to have a lot of Supreme Courts that are 100% women until we're even. And so, you know, that's not the way things go but it's an interesting thought that there has to be a lot of them filling up the places that we didn't let them fill that they weren't allowed to fill until we're even and then it can be 50 50 again you know yeah but see that just strikes me and and again speaking from a place of privilege but it it, that strikes me very much as an eye for an eye mentality and i don't think i think it swings the pendulum in the other direction far way too far why don't we take the lesson that we've learned and apply it in real time instead of giving people something they feel like they're owed. Yeah, and and I, I do I agree with I agree with both of you if if that's possible because I think I think what she was saying was she was trying to emphasize the fact that you you don't say oh and now we have a Supreme Court that's thirty three percent female that's that's okay then right that's we're we're good now no we're not good now because of all those years when women weren't allowed to be on the court at all um so i think what she's saying isn't there should be a hundred percent supreme court should be a hundred percent women for years until we catch up i think what she was saying is that's what it would take to make us catch up. So let's discard this ridiculous idea that there's any catching up to be done and just move forward from here. Yeah. Because let's, after all, it was in response to a reporter's question. It was a stupid Oh, right. Question. Okay. That's fair. And yeah. I, think, I think something to consider is that even if you bring, say, if you bring a group to be com- just somehow perfectly representative uh, and balanced across all of a group of people, which is impossible because without every one of those people, some someone or something isn't going to be represented. Right. right. If you can somehow get 
a perfectly balanced group that doesn't change the fact that for so long those groups haven't been represented so even if they are now mm-hmm. the the perspective that was missing for so long still isn't represented in especially in things like politics or in a space those groups still aren't represented in what's considered the norm for that group right so any changes that that now balanced group would try to make are still going to seem extreme or different or change for the sake of change when in reality it's just trying to bring those people's perspective into the conversation at all and sometimes especially you need more people of a certain perspective to get their perspective heard when their perspective has been marginalized Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. that's not considered normal the normal quote-unquote perspective is automatically going to be considered first so you need more representation to voice a differing opinion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think i think you're right because if you just have one one voice it's too easy to get shouted down isn't it it really is it really is and then of course you get into the the fact that like marginalized groups aren't given the same represent not just representation they aren't given the same weight unfortunately in a lot of society um there was uh research that they did showing that uh, my numbers might not be exact here but they're going to be pretty close um during conversations with equal groups of men and women Mm -hmm. um when women spoke 15 percent of the time Mm -hmm. they were perceived as speaking the same amount as the men in a conversation. And when they spoke just 30% of the time, they were perceived as dominating the conversation by Mm. men. Yeah. And that's, that's a a real difficulty. Yeah. You know? Um, And, and that's, that's cultural, you know, that's, that's something that's in all of us. And I'm sure even as, as, um, progressively thinking as as the three of us are we would also think that oh my god i've i am a huge proponent of the idea that as hard as i try as 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 much as i work on it i grew up no like i can fully acknowledge that i grew up being racist like oh, sure oh absolutely I, I, i'm the same way race, racist and homophobic and misogynistic like these were things I was just raised with. And even when they like the ideas that were being presented bothered me, mm-hmm. I didn't, the, I didn't think enough to really change it. Mm-hmm. I just thought, well, that's weird, but okay. And I felt like maybe and, I just wasn't understanding it well enough yeah. to, be able to have the opinion. Yeah. And then people would like explain it quote unquote to me. And I was like, Oh, okay. I, that makes enough sense that I'll stop questioning it. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the reasons I uh, I say like I am not I, I am still racist because unfortunately though some of those things I haven't analyzed you know the entirety of human experience that I perceived to be able to shut it down but I am yeah. an- but, but I'm anti-racist yeah. because yeah. when I notice those things I am I am trying to find and observe them in myself and even though I know I will still fuck up at times. I'm whenever I notice that, or if I notice it, 
I work on it. I am open to observation and input from, you know, people who I could be marginalizing. Yeah, and I, I do that. my best to go, go outside of it. Cause it doesn't mean I'm not racist. Cause I still was born and raised in a society that told me certain things and made me expect certain things that aren't necessarily true. Yeah. I, I think, I think I take your point. It's, it's true. And, um, and I'm not going to argue with you for calling yourself racist because I think those of us who were raised in American society, we were raised in a racist society. Yeah. Everyone raised in this society is racist. We all are to a greater or lesser extent. It's, it's those of us who decide that we want to fight that. Those of us that decide that we want to get better. Um, it's not it's not legitimate to say, um, I, you know, I was, I was born and raised in the United States and I'm not a racist. Of course you are because it's been shoved down your throat since your childhood, you know, yeah. and, and the best efforts could have been made by your, I mean, my parents were terrible racists. Um, they're the kind of passive racists that just use, you know, words that, that we don't consider correct anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. They don't, they didn't mean anybody any harm. But, but it was they just don't want them living did. next door, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> that, you're that fucking is harm. racist. Like, yeah. that, that is harm. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't. They don't want them living next door. I mean, at least my parents were. They were chicken shit enough that they wouldn't have done anything about it, you know. Yeah. So um, they weren't the kind of person who would who would throw someone out of someplace because they were black. Yeah, but, I, I unfortunately grew up around a lot of people who were not that chicken shit about it and much mm-hmm. more virulently racist than that. Yeah, and 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 I and you know I grew up around people like that as well. Um, but there was also. You know, I mean, thank God for Sesame Street. <laughs> no, no lie. God bless Sesame Street. Um, because I grew up watching TV and going, but those people are black and those people are Hispanic and those people speak a different language and, and they're all friends and they're nice, you know. And, and so I had this very, um, very early idea that something was wrong with reality (laughs) because on tv which we know is real um everything (laughs) that was all good you know everybody got along and it was nice and um you know that's the the power of education was to make you know i i could when uh, on sesame street when they did they did the things where you would there would be something in like one of the little commercials, Sesame Street commercials would be in English and then it would play again and it would be all in Spanish. And, mm-hmm. you know, I probably knew a lot more Spanish when I was a little kid than, you know, I did later. And now Sesame Street is behind a paywall called HBO, which is a whole other is set it? of fuckery. Yep, you can't. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's on public access anymore. It's they, all, oh all they, they release the episodes after a certain period of time for free, but they are not immediately available for free because of HBO. Well, um, with the way that the government has been cutting fun- funding to public asset access programming and to public works and services, they had to do something to stay alive. Yeah. Jesus, so, they so I really, I don't know that I'm like I, my um, very thinly veiled disdain for that move was not directed at the Sesame Street people. They, oh, no. their choice was taken away. Right. Right. When, yeah, because- when that programming, when they said we're funded by viewers like you, that's not where all of the funding came from. 
Right. And oh, I've yeah. been over, over the course for the last three years, when you turn on NPR, like they, they are not shy. They're like, yeah, no, they're taking all of our money. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. absurd. And that, it, but that is, um, if, if I had to hand anybody that the, um, just a blank check. Yeah. Well, no blank check, but no, I meant anyone, the, the, um, uh, I have no words. The rains. The thanks. Ah. Um, the, the credit. Gotcha. For raising me as a progressive, open-minded person who just wants to see everybody do all right. Um, it's Sesame Street and Electric Company and Mr. Rogers, you know? Oh, I yeah. mean, it, my, parents, my parents are not nice people. I mean, they're jerks. And, it, and they really tried to raise someone who they're they grew up poor and their response to the world is get them before they get you oh yeah Yeah. and so i wasn't raised be nice share um be good to your friends 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 are important it was screw anyone who you can possibly screw first so that they're gonna them, screw you because they're gonna screw you and if you get them first then you win and i think about that a lot these days um i, I don't know i mean i have to say it was mr rogers who fixed who fixed me because i clearly spent more time with him than i did with my parents which is probably true because my parents are working all the time and um but yeah i was i was raised with a real um, you know, you'd say one of the one of the things that occurred to me very early on was you know, one of the rules of you you make a plan with a friend, and then you know this girl you like, you have an opportunity to go out with her, and but you have plans with your friends. You don't break the plan with your friends to go out with a girl. My mom told me, you know, it doesn't matter who you have plans with. If a guy asks you out, you go. And I, from the moment she said that to me when I was like 14 years old or something, I thought, well, that's a crappy thing to do, <laughs> you know, but, but spoiler alert, you were right. Yeah. But her whole world was get yourself a good man, you know, mm. and, and I understand that, but I think it's loathsome, you know, how could you do that to a friend? And yeah. You know, so so I really <laughs> the importance of public broadcasting is to not raise assholes. <laughs> yes, I couldn't agree more, and I think that that is an absolutely perfect message for us to bring our um, two and a half hour podcast to a close. So, uh, th- no, honestly, Cass, this was an absolute genuine pleasure to have you on the show. I can't even begin to express my gratitude that you decided to take this time out of your day and spend this with us, especially. Let's knowing- do more. Let's do more. Oh, Let's do oh, Yeah, absolutely. We're we going absolutely to at this point. Uh, like you, I, don't, you don't get to not come back <laughs> on here. Are you joking? So if anybody wanted to engage in conversation with you and pick your brain about anything that we've talked about here or beyond, do you have any social media that you would like to share so that they can get into contact with you? I do. I do. I have a website at kassmcgann.com. That's K-A-S-S-M-C-G-A-N-N.com. Um, and anyone who wants to contact me can contact me through there. I haven't blogged on there for a very long time, but I do blog. Um, I'm on Instagram at Cass R H Patterns. 
Um, I also run their website, reconstructinghistory.com, which is my business. Um, and you can contact me through there if you want to. But if you really want to contact me, castmccann.com is, is the more appropriate place to do so. And um, also YouTube channel, YouTube channel, the, our YouTube channel, Reconstructing Hist, because they didn't give us enough letters to get history. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can go and see our videos on, on uh, our YouTube channel and, you know, subscribe, like, comment, ta-da, yes, like that. Oh, and Patreon, we have a Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. Yes, Patreon.com slash Reconstructing History is uh, one Patreon, and then the other Patreon is... Uh, patreon.com slash casmagan so uh yeah i'm around a bit <laughs> and i'll make sure that i include uh links to all of the above in our show notes so that uh you guys can click it and you can go right there and uh really observe the work of an unbelievably talented person uh, i'm gonna say if you want to reach out to magnificent whiskers we've got a couple of places you could do that as well we are on instagram uh, at Whiskers Podcast on Twitter at MagWhisk, M-A-G-W-H-I-S-K. And I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and pretty much anywhere else at RemyX0 with the O being a zero. Colby, if people want to dig you up, uh, what's what's their shovel? Uh, you can find me just about anywhere under either my name or as L-V-N-D-R-I-S-91. The 91 may or may not be there. There's not many other people with that weird string of letters. <laughs> That's very true. All right, Cass, once again, thank you so damn much. I really appreciate you. And uh, we will see the rest of you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.